that rather than beginning with a law enforcement or supply control approach, we should actually be thinking about the health and the dignity and the welfare of the people uh, involved. Welcome to HPG Engage, the podcast from Healthcare Professionals Group. Today, we're going to be taking the subject of overdose and giving it some much needed light ahead of Overdose Awareness Day. I'm Hayley Webb, Marketing and Brand Manager at HPG, and I'm here today with Matteo Savillo, and he is the Strategic Communications Manager at Pennington Institute, a not-for-profit organisation who work towards community safety in relation to drugs and are the instigators of Overdose Awareness Day. The purpose of this day is to bring some much needed attention and create some understanding around overdose and to break down the stigmas attached to overdose. We're going to discuss these stigmas, what they are, how we can educate ourselves for a better understanding, how we can support people who have or are experiencing the effects of overdose and to leave you with a little food for thought on the subject. Uh, thanks, Hayley. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Matteo Savillo, Strategic Communications Manager at Pennington Institute, we are a, a drug policy and health promotion NGO based in Melbourne. We are the convening organization of International Overdose Awareness Day, which has been going on since 2001. We've been convening it since about 2012. This year is the 20th International Overdose Awareness Day, and we're um, yeah, really looking forward to it and really looking forward to making a difference. Great stuff, and so are we, and we really hope... Uh, we can educate around the subject during this podcast. So, um, as as you said, uh, International Overdose Awareness Day uh, was an initiative started by your organisation. Um, it connects lived experience and research to improve community safety in relation to drugs, including alcohol and pharmaceuticals. Um, so your goal um, as an organisation is that no family should ever go through the pain of losing a loved one because of an overdose. Uh, so, so big topic today. Um, but how do you think uh, we, as a community, can start to work together towards this goal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, International Overdose Awareness Day is multi-pronged, I suppose, ambitious in in what it tries to achieve. There is absolutely a big part of it, which is about remembering the people um, who have passed away or been otherwise sort of affected by overdose recognizing the grief of, of, of families who have been left with that burden of grief and, and because of stigma feel unable to talk about it. But there are also sort of very prudent and, and, and I guess policy-oriented goals as well with the campaign. And it's really just about doing a lot of what I guess in the kind of harm reduction community are seen as some of the real fundamentals that need to happen. So it's about, you know, for example, getting the Loxone into the hands of more people it's about um, kind of, I guess, increasing access to evidence-based services like needle and syringe or sort of you know, needle exchange type of um, clinics and also just increasing uh, people's sort of awareness of overdose as a health issue and kind of helping them to recognize that, you know, far from being uh, an issue which kind of you know, happens to other people, you know, people who I suppose aren't us or, or people who perhaps do have dependencies on illicit drugs. Overdose is an issue which affects every single part of the socioeconomic spectrum, every part of the age spectrum. It's geographically dispersed. 
you know, it, it really is indiscriminate in the kind of communities and families that it does affect. Um, and that's a really, really big part of not only what we try to do through International Overdose Awareness Day, but a really big part of our work at Pennington Institute. So I just want to um, hone in on a couple of things that you mentioned there and just give the audience a little bit of an explanation before we go any further. So you mentioned um, a couple of initiatives there, um, harm reduction and needle and syringe. So could you just let us know what they are in a little bit more detail? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, I guess harm reduction and look, you know, often sort of this is one of those things where every person has has their own version of a, of a definition for this. But, you know, at, at, at the absolute sort of most general level, you know, harm reduction is, I guess, an approach to um, substances, you know, including drugs, including alcohol, that sort of just seeks to recognize the reality that people do use these substances. They might be motivated by all kinds of reasons, but that rather than beginning with a law enforcement or supply control approach, we should actually be thinking about the health and the dignity and the welfare of the people uh, involved, the individuals involved. So that very, very generally defined uh, is what harm reduction might mean. Um, and I mentioned needle and syringe programs. Um, they're a kind of specific type of health service that operates in Australia. Um, they operate in other countries as well. They might be known as things like needle exchanges in places in North America, for example. The basic idea is that these are health services that sort of seek to uh, prevent the transmission of bloodborne diseases, so hepatitis, HIV, for example. They are a service where people who uh, inject drugs, sort of, you know, intravenously, heroin, for example, uh, might be able to go. They go to a non-judgmental, non-stigmatizing environment. They're able to have a conversation with someone and crucially, they're able to pick up sterile and clean equipment. So it helps keep them safe. It helps sort of ensure that they're not catching any really, really nasty conditions like hepatitis or HIV. Um, then they're a complete kind of, you know, breakthrough really in uh, public health and also just in, in, I suppose, harm reduction approaches to drug use. And the, um, the person who actually gave us our name, uh, Professor David Pennington, um, he was actually one of the real leaders in Australia in introducing needle and syringe programs in the country. Oh, wow. How, and, and do you have a little bit of history on that for us? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try try see what I can remember off the top of my head. Um, so he was um, basically Emeritus Professor Pennington, and he is still with us, thankfully. Um, it was sort of a, a long-time leader in Australia's approach to the HIV-AIDS crisis. Um, and it was suggested sort of as part of the government's response to that, that it was extremely important to decrease the, I suppose, contraction and then the transmission of, you know, obviously HIV, but other bloodborne illnesses as well, especially in that part of the community uh, that intersected with things like in injecting drug use as well. So these were really vulnerable people who were facing, you know, obviously this extraordinary, uh, extraordinary set of health risks. And it was really just like um, an, an, an absolute uh, landmark in Australian public health. And so needle and syringe programs have been going for several decades now, since I think sort of around the 1980s. Clearly, there's a sort of thing that for a lot of people, um, the idea, I guess, came as a little bit of a shock 
but now they're, I think, a, a fairly widely accepted part of our public health landscape. And, and part of what we do at Pennington Institute is really just promote what these services do and make sure that more people, not just people who might need them, but that more people in the general community know about them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've definitely learned something already. Um, what I'd really like to dig into now, which when, when we talked previously, this was a bit that really interested me, is I'd like to talk about some of the stigmas associated with, with overdose. So firstly, you know, what they are and how we as a community can really work together and, and overcome some of them, or even as individuals start to recognise maybe if if we are um, engaging in some of these stigmas or, ha- or how we can recognise them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and stigma is such a big part of what the International Overdose Awareness Day community um, seeks to address and reduce um, because we know that it is something which affects so much of the community of, you know, bereaved family members and other loved ones who, who have lost people close to them. So I think probably the simplest way to, to describe sort of, you know, how stigma is wrapped up in drug use issues and overdose is the fact that I think whether we even recognize it or not, many of us make judgments about people who use drugs. Many of us probably make the judgment um, that a person might sort of fall into the grips of something like dependence or overdose or addiction because of bad choices that they have made in their life. And we think a really, really important part of, I guess, increasing the public education about drug use and overdose is recognizing that people are sort of I guess, drawn to, or people begin using drugs for many kinds of reasons. Um, Sometimes sort of, you know, not strictly within their control, right? I'm sure we all kind of remember being at a certain age where we felt the effects of peer pressure, for example, maybe to, to, to drink when we were at a party. And, you know, many of us, of course, for many of us, it wasn't sort of a, a huge problem, I guess, or it was something we grew out of. But obviously, if one of your first experiences of, of being pressured by a peer is to, you know, for example, um, take an illicit drug of some kind, well, clearly, as we know, drugs being, I guess, as addictive as they are, um, that can be really, really hard to break out of. So a really, really, I guess, important part of what we try and do is sort of try to smash this myth that people who use drugs and therefore kind of people who are dependent or, or maybe at risk of overdose kind of, um, I guess, have had it coming to them or that they deserve it in some way because this is an attitude that does exist in the community. It's an attitude held by a lot of people. Um, and it, I think, means that there is a taboo and there is a stigma that gets created because... Fundamentally, I think if you if you believe that a person uses drugs or is addicted simply because they've made the wrong choice in their life, then I think that that might limit the amount of sympathy you have for a person. And if that is a sort of widely held community attitude that, that people you know have made silly choices and that they should really just live with those choices that they have made, then that actually becomes a hidden but very, very real force that makes them more reluctant to seek support for their drug use or overdose risk. It makes them more reluctant to talk to their families. It makes them more reluctant to talk to their peers as well. It becomes something that they don't share with anyone um, that in fact, you know, becomes behavior 
that gets driven underground. And it's the sort of thing that means that rather than being able to have a mature, open, productive discussion about drug use and overdose, it's a discussion that's had in the shadows um, because the people who, who are at risk of over, who are at most risk of overdose are sort of using drugs often in the shadows. Yeah, definitely. And I think also that um, when I was when I was thinking about this, I think and doing some research, there's there's another um, trail of thought that is they did it to themselves as well. Um, and I and I found this quote online today. Um, it said I just saw a friend post about their struggle with suicide, and a quote in their story was, "I came to realize that I didn't want to die. I just wanted my life as I knew it to end." Mm-hmm. And you know that's very much, and I think it's actually a very timely time for this day, and also coming into things like Are You Okay Day, as well. That it is so important as a community that we just have this wider perspective on things. Haley, you're absolutely right, and uh, and that I think is the other side to to my previous answer, right? That you know, people might be led to drugs by a sense of curiosity or new discovery, but many people essentially are driven or feel like they are driven to use drugs um, as a way of coping with something bad that has happened to them or, you know, uh, being in a situation in their life that they are profoundly unhappy with. Um, And we know, and and through our work and through our research and and that of other organisations as well, we know that people often turn to to drugs as a sort of, um, essentially as a means of self-medicating because maybe they've been confronted with trauma. Now, a lot of us, I guess, know about the, the because maybe we've seen it in places like North America, the idea that um, people have physical pain and then they're treated for that physical pain with, you know, for example, prescription painkillers. And then that, I guess, spirals into a dependency and, and ultimately kind of, I guess, addiction and perhaps overdose. But, you know, psychological pain and, and, and mental health and, and that kind of trauma is just as real just as legitimate as physical pain. Um, and that's a that's a big reason why people turn to drugs as well. And then there's the simple fact, why well, I say simple, it's sort of quite profound, I guess, in a way, of this this idea of despair. And it's something, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to you from Melbourne. The mood in Melbourne right now is pretty bleak. And we know, again, from some research that Pennington Institute has, da- has done, that there are many people in the community who are deciding to use more substances, partly as a way, I guess, of escaping from what is currently a really difficult situation. Now that might mean alcohol, and there's been a lot of reporting around people consuming more alcohol at home, I guess to make the time perhaps go a little bit faster. But there's also been a little bit of reporting and and a fair amount of anecdotal stuff that, you know, supposedly there are shortages um, in Australia of things like antidepressant medications as well now now it, it, we can't say one that that is definitively because people are using more of these drugs um because for example you know things like COVID 19 and, and lockdown but I, I guess the the point is that you know for many people using drugs be they illicit drugs or, pres- or sort of prescription pharmaceutical drugs is kind of a rational response to yeah as you say you know trauma sort of i guess un uh, unrecognized pain that they're feeling in their life and and yeah and mental health issues often as well yeah and have you seen any um increases in overdose recently well so um 
we're uh, sort of very soon we're going to release the newest version of the uh, annual overdose report, which is sort of the flagship publication of Pennington Institute. Every year we are actually releasing it on International Overdose Awareness Day this year, sort of a nice kind of um, co-mingling, I guess, of, of, of those two. Um, that report that we'll be putting out on Monday covers overdose data in Australia or overdose deaths in Australia in the year 2018. So obviously that uh, is well before the COVID pandemic and lockdown and all of this. So in terms of knowing what's going on right now, we're on less steady ground in terms of really being able to verify that. But certainly, um, if you talk to, uh, for example, workers at these needle and syringe programs that I was talking to earlier, who often have really close relationships with their clients, you'll hear all kinds of things. You'll hear about clients who come in and rather than taking, um, you know, five syringes and uh, maybe, you know, a handful of swabs, so kind of like kind of clean disinfectant wipes, They'll just take an absolute stack because they don't know when they'll be able to come back. They don't know whether they'll be confined to their home. Uh, And so clearly kind of people's patterns of use are changing. Some people are responding by using more. Others perhaps are responding by using less and anticipating that maybe if they were stockpiling drugs at home, that maybe that would create a risk for them. Um, the picture is is not actually kind of super clear at the moment. I think what it actually suggests most clearly of all is that people who use drugs are, you know, a, a really kind of diverse and and sort of different, you know, community of people who respond to situations in unique ways and ways that often we don't expect or anticipate. But... Um, I guess just to just to finish my answer, you know, we'll be looking really, really closely at the annual overdose report in two years, which will, of course, be looking at overdose deaths in Australia in 2020. And we'll be looking really, really closely at every type of drug, but maybe especially those kinds of, you know, antidepressants, uh, antipsychotic medications, the benzodiazepine class, so sort of, you know, drugs which are often... Uh, prescribed to treat things like insomnia and anxiety. I'm, I'm not in the kind of predictions business, but it may well be that we see increased harms associated with those types of drugs. We're in such unprecedented times and we'd like to think that this kind of situation won't happen again, but um, at least we can be a little bit, bit more prepared from that kind of awareness perspective. Um, just moving on to awareness, how can we, I guess it's a very difficult subject to, to raise awareness of. It's not um, very fluffy or very happy, but it's very serious. Um, and when I was having a little think about this, I was like, when was the last time I really thought about um, overdose? And it really kind of sat with me. Now, there was a very high profile um, overdose in back in the UK, a celebrity called Caroline Flack. You may, you may have heard of the case. Um, it was a lot to do with media, but there was a very big social campaign afterwards um, 
and and a lot of messaging around being kind because that was kind of her message you know and and she was obviously in a, in a difficult place and difficult position but it really made me I never and I, I personally haven't been uh, personally affected by overdose but it was things like that that really made me think wow okay you know this is this is this is somebody that um seemingly is uh, in in the public eye and seems happy and or happy enough and it was a massive shock so, but again i guess these hope high profile cases do bring that awareness back to people um because obviously without that it's it's not something that we're going to come across every day um, and just moving on from that, so so it's obviously not something that we're going to see every day or hear about every day or be connected right. with necessarily. But when we do, um, how can we really help the families involved or support in a really good way and just making sure that we're not making those judgments? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is a question I've, I've thought about a lot myself as someone who, um, I guess, before joining this organisation, certainly you know, I didn't know much about the issue. It's, it's overdose is not really something that has been particularly present in my private life, I suppose. Um, but you're absolutely right to say that it, it is a health issue that sort of gets discussed in, in this very indirect and roundabout way, because, you know, often the, the, the people who we immediately think of, who are in any way associated with us and our lives, who are, you know, maybe sort of injured or passed away because of overdose are celebrities, right? And, and a lot of them are, you know, musicians. There's the one that you mentioned, I guess a lot of people know about Amy Winehouse and I guess that, you know, her tragic story, right? And how um, sort of, you know, drug use changed her, I guess, before sort of ultimately it claimed her life. Um, you know, some of the audience might know about a, a hip-hop musician a couple of years ago called Mac Miller who passed away of an overdose. Even just this week, I read about an American sort of indie musician called Justin Towns Earl, who passed away. Now, his father uh, famously had sort of struggled with, with addiction and dependence for many, many years of his life, um, ha- is now in a sort of um, recovery stage of his life. And unfortunately, it looks like um, an overdose may have claimed his son, who was a kind of prominent musician in his own life so it's strange right often we'll only kind of know about celebrities rather than people in our own life but i think you know what we might be seeing might actually be a little bit um a little bit false because i do wonder sometimes if maybe more of if some of the reason why sort of more of us don't know about overdose or or we don't think it is a part of our life or, or you know sort of um a part of our you know the lives of our peers or our community is because there is this stigma, right? It is such a hard issue to talk about. I mean, we know, and it's and it's just one of the most tragic things imaginable, we know that there are parents in Australia, North America, every country in the world who find it easier to say that their son or daughter has passed away because they've taken their own life rather than admit that their son or daughter has actually had a fatal overdose. That's how difficult it is to talk about this issue. So, we think a really, really important way that people can show their support, uh, I guess, for the campaign, which is all about you know raising awareness, raising education, destigmatizing the issue of overdose. Well, there's really many, many ways that they can get involved. We do have a website, overdosedaycom where there are many, many uh, resources, including resources that you can just put on your own social media page. You know, you can 
you can just throw a picture on your Facebook, on your Twitter, even on your Instagram. We do have really active social media accounts that you can follow. And they're a great great way to just learn about what this issue means, how it affects people. Um, we have started just a few weeks ago an Instagram page that's affiliated with our campaign, sort of a sub campaign, I guess. It's called the Overdose Tribute. And it's just, it's very, very simple. Once every single day, um, we'll post a photo uh, of a person who's passed away of an overdose, as well as just a tribute that has been written about them by a loved one of theirs. And that's all it is. There's, there's really nothing more than that. It's incredibly poignant. And you've already, we've already kind of started seeing that a, a community has developed out of that. And it, and it really kind of is a, is a community of mutual support. But what we think is so, so crucial, right, is and what, what I think is really an important next step is to kind of grow that community from people who have had overdose be an intimate part of their own life because maybe they've lost someone, maybe they themselves have had their own lived experience, grow that community so that it does begin to include the people who actually haven't had overdose be a direct part of their life, but actually believe that, you know, just like we think human rights are important, just like we think, you know, homelessness is an issue that really needs significantly more action. Drug use and overdose, are, you know, belong sort of to that same category of, issue, of, of issues that, you know, affect sort of tremendously vulnerable people in our midst and, um, and that, you know, we need to know more about and we need to do more, I guess, collectively to, to respond to yeah, and and like you kind of mentioned on all your on your website and all of your material, it's a global global movement for understanding, compassion, and change. And it really is just taking a little minute, educate yourself, um, non judgment. Um, really, it's, and that understanding is really key in terms of uh, it is very easy to make these quick judgments about something like overdose. But there's a a lot of stories. I'm definitely going to be giving the overdose tribute a follow. Um, is it just at the overdose tribute on instagram just for everyone listening uh, it's at overdose tribute overdose tribute okay perfect so forget that there um <laughs> so um and i just kind of wanted to to finish off with um just talking a little bit about what what the charity does for families with um a connection to overdose and that do need support so if people do want to have a little look into that and maybe show their support in in more of a financial way they can really understand what what's happening there yeah absolutely absolutely so um a really a really important part of the campaign in many ways the sort of backbone of the campaign as a force of sort of advocacy and change as well as just recognition and, and memorialization although as you know that's been a big part of our discussion that's sort of really vital um is sort of encouraging supporting you know people so so you know private individuals organizations you know kind of companies businesses harm reduction groups other ngos to hold International Overdose Awareness Day events. Um, so last year, uh, in 2019, um, we had sort of an all-time record high number of events, 874 events held in 39 countries around the world. And that, I think, is a sort of indicator of how, I mean, not only, I guess, how much the campaign has grown in its almost 20 years, but also, I guess, just how pervasive 
drug use and overdose issues are. So we'd encourage uh, anyone to, you know, it may be too late this year to register an event, um, but it isn't too late to look at what kinds of events um, get, you know, get registered, get held around the world. And I think it's just a, it's a, it's a real kind of rainbow. It's like, it's every color in the rainbow. There are the, you know, there are the events which are about the celebration of life. There are events which are about educating people in the use of naloxone, you know, the, the opioid overdose reversal drug. There are events which are about, you know, essentially kind of more, more almost kind of political rallies in nature that are about advocating for change and for, you know, perhaps greater investment in, in evidence-based policies. Um, so it, it really kind of spans the range from, from A to Z. Um, so I'd really encourage people to have a look on our website. You can go and see what kind of events are being held around the world this year. Of course, it is a COVID-affected year, but it will be another big year for International Overdose Awareness Day. Check out the downloadable resources that are on offer. There's a huge, like really wonderful array of posters, social media images, more kind of advocacy-focused resources, and really, you know, there is something for everyone there. You can print something out and stick it on your wall. You can stick it on your front door. You can put it on your fence. You can even just, you know, put it on your social media profile on the day. So it's on the 31st of August. But of course, you know, it isn't really just about a single day. People need to know more about overdose and, and, and you know, what causes it and the type of people who are affected every single day of the year. Yeah, definitely. And if nothing more than just we can raise a little bit of awareness that this exists, this day exists, there's a need to raise awareness and there's a need to, to have a little bit more education around the subject. Yeah, certainly. And just um, before you go, Mateo, I'd really like to ask you, obviously, us, us being healthcare recruiters, um, what is going to be really interesting to our audience is the area of work that's connected with uh, drug use, addiction, overdose, uh, family support. Um, so if you could uh, delve a little bit into that and just kind of, it's obviously a very, very niche area, which requires some very special, uh, dedicated kind of people to work in it. Um, so what kind of skills and attributes do you think are relevant to work in this field? Well, not relevant, more required, essential. Sure, of course. Um, it's a really good question, Hayley. And, and, and I think at the same time as I guess what we do with International Overdose Wednesday with the other work that Pennington Institute does, certainly it's niche, but I, I think that in turn actually makes the required skill set to succeed in our kinds of roles. Um, really diverse because you know you have to be across so many different things. So, I mean, there's there's really kind of no such thing as as an average day in the life of. But to I guess give you a snapshot of what my days have been like in the past, say fortnight, where we've been preparing uh, for International Overdose Awareness Day, as well as really ramping up for the release of Australia's annual overdose report, which is coming out as I said on the thirty first as well. So I have been speaking to journalists, I have been trying to sort of uh, respond to very, very specific questions about um, overdose uh, death data and, and I guess just data about the prevalence of overdose. I have been um, speaking to bereaved people who, who have submitted tributes to the Overdose Tribute Instagram account who have contacted, contacted us via email or other social media. So there's there's 
there is a large degree of, um, I guess, kind of technical medical literacy that is required in this role. You know, you don't just need to know kind of what a benzodiazepine does. It certainly helps to kind of know, you know, I guess the 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 the, the pharmacological action of something like naloxone because you know you don't want to get caught out. You certainly don't want to sound silly. Um, but you also really need to be able to, you know, empathize with people, understand that so many people who reach out to the International Overdose Awareness Day community, um, are, you know, they are bereaved people. They are, they feel a burden of grief that is on them. And I think, you know, being sensitive, being respectful, understanding the situation they're in and, and just trying to really be as helpful as possible, as supportive as possible is really important. And I guess the, the one other thing I would add is, is, you know, we've spoken a little bit, I think, in this conversation about the fact that this is a difficult issue. This is a difficult issue, I think, um, to, 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 to kind of, you know, maybe, maybe to sort of elicit sympathy in many ways or to sort of grow this campaign and grow this cause. You need a really kind of, I guess, accurate or, sorry, acute, you know, strategic mind as well. You need to understand how to actually grow an awareness campaign that is about a very, very difficult highly stigmatized and highly taboo subject um it's something that we're working on every single day um but it's something that is really really important as well because if you don't if you're not able to answer that question of how do i actually help mainstream this issue and make it something that gets talked about you know on the nightly news and, and you know not in terms of junkies or, or addicts you know all of which are terms that we don't use in the field but in terms of the dignity of people the value of their lives and the different types of people who are affected you know that is that is a that's a core skill so um there's a lot there's a lot of different things involved it's it's tremendously rewarding it is a hard slog absolutely um but it is it's yeah it, it's massively rewarding I wish you the best of luck um, with this year's Overdose Day um, and all the activities that, you, you, that you've done around it. You're clearly very passionate about it, Matteo, and the perfect person to be um, working in this area and for this day. Everyone, please do uh, head over to your Instagram and follow Overdose Tribute. Um, I've just had a quick look and it's definitely very inspiring. Um, check out the website even start some conversations with people around you. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have to be uh, affected by it, but just what would you do? How would you feel? Where would you go? And, you know, even just starting those conversations, we can really begin to raise awareness as a community and it can be that simple. Um, anything to add to that, Matteo? You did, a, you did a really good job of covering it, Hayley. Thank you. Yeah, I, I guess I would encourage people, if they are interested in learning more about the campaign, as you said, our website, overdose day, uh, pardon me, overdosedaycom Also, uh, you can look us up on Facebook. So we're International Overdose Awareness Day on Facebook. We're Overdose Day on Twitter. Uh, we're Overdose Awareness Day on Instagram, as well as the Overdose Tribute. So we do have two Instagram accounts now, which is very exciting. Obviously, if you Google us, um, you'll also find not only kind of, I guess, the, the, the sort of official kind of campaign websites and social media, but I think you'll get a real sense of, of um, yeah, how how this campaign gets written about and how it is supported really around the world. Um, look, I, I think that covers it. I really encourage people to, to learn more about it. And as you say, you know, whether it is on the 31st of August, 
whether it is maybe the next time you read a story in the news and, and you know, it could be a well-balanced and sensitive story or it could be a sort of nasty and stigmatizing story about, I guess, how a person passed away. You know, maybe have that conversation with someone, you know, with a, with a loved one, with a friend, with a work colleague, perhaps, or even just take some time to reflect on it yourself. You know, what do I know about this issue? Are there gaps in my own knowledge? You know, do I do I maybe have certain sort of attitudes or, or do I make judgments about people who use drugs and, and, and how can I maybe sort of look to address those? I think that's a great place to start. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Mateo. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot, Hayley. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. You can stream all our original podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music and SoundCloud.